Blake, I am more excited about this interview than I've been for most, maybe any, because you uh, not only do I respect and admire you as a player, but and a guy, but you are part of the class that to me has gone through a more up and down, wild, crazy journey than any other class of college football players has gone through. All the highs and all the lows. And mm-hmm. so I do want to dive into some of that. But before that, last time Baylor fans saw you, we were engaged in watching the best bowl game of bowl season and a successful Texas yeah. Bowl victory You're against right Vanderbilt. That. Yeah, man, it was a blast. So tell me what you've been up to since then. Tell our listeners uh, what your life's been like for the last 10 months and where you are now. Yeah, finished up the bowl game, and then I uh, I started training for Pro Day with uh, Pat Lawrence. We trained together and uh, signed with the same agent. We just stayed in Waco and trained at Baylor because, you know, those guys got us as far as we got. So, you know, we figured, what the hell, you know, let's just – let a good thing ride. So, uh, stayed in Waco. I guess I graduated in December. That counts too. And yeah, then, congratulations. Uh, yeah. And so, uh, stayed in Waco, trained, did pro day, did all that stuff. And I ended up signing as a uh, undrafted free agent with the Bears starting in late April, early May. Popped up here into Chicago and, uh, basically been here ever since for the last couple months doing OTAs and, working mini camp and training camp, had a good time, got uh, rolled up on in the last preseason game. So now I'm on IR with the Bears, so I'm rehabbing and, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens, but that's, that's what I've been up to, you know, right now. So it's been a, it's been a heck of a ride. That's awesome. And and they like you enough to put you on IR and keep you around instead of just letting you go, which has got to make you feel good. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been great to you know kind of be able to just be, still be around and hang out, be connected with the uh, with the program. So we'll see we'll see what happens. Well, that makes it that makes me all the more grateful that you took this phone call on a Sunday. <laughs> I appreciate yeah. it, man. That that's awesome. No, no problem. That's awesome. Well, you know, I I really would like to go back in time just a little bit and. I think the the folks that listen to my podcast would be fascinated by some of these stories. So you walk onto campus and your first season, and I'm just recapping for people, you know, who might have forgotten the timeline here. Your first season, you redshirted in 2014, and that was our uh, second Big 12 championship there, that second of two there in a row. 2015, a lot of Baylor fans think that was actually the most talented, deep squad. Yeah. And, of course, you know, you have three stud quarterbacks who all get hurt. You know, your heart rips out for guys like Seth Russell and all of that. I mean, and then it's well documented from there, I think. You know, with Bryles being let go, Jim Grobe comes in, a season that starts out really promising and ends on a kind of a sour note with a six-game losing streak in the regular season. And then... This crazy guy from the Northeast comes down and takes over the program, and there's a one-win season. (laughs) And then 
next thing you know, last year, by the end of the season, Baylor is playing about as good as football as anybody. Take me through what that journey has been like for you and what it's taught you and maybe some of the big moments in that journey that you've uh, held on to. Yeah. Uh, so I guess starting from the, starting from the beginning, you know, it's kind of, you all, you come in as a freshman and most freshman classes, when you add in all the walk-ons and stuff like that are about probably about 25 to 30 guys, you know, you kind of hear from, the older guys, like, oh, yeah, just watch, you know, that class, your, your class is going to get whittled down. You're going to lose guys, you know, every every year you're going to lose guys. It's going to be smaller and smaller. And so uh, that first year was, you know, amazing coming in and winning the Big 12 championship and practicing against Bo Blackshear, Sean Oakman, all those, you know, all the, all the big-name guys, Bryce Hager, and getting the – you know, be in the room with all the, you know, all the vets, all the guys that basically you just watched in your senior year of high school win a Big 12 championship and get all this attention. So it was, it was awesome, you know, coming in after we won the Big 12 and just like, hug, you know, coaches hugging you. And, you know, I remember Coach Clem pointed, you know, put his finger in my chest. He said, that's why you came here. You know, that's, that's what we're all about. And it was, you know, great moment. Then you, kind of the next year you, roll into it, you're not a redshirt anymore, you're getting some playing time, things are going good, season had its ups and downs, and ultimately, like, it ended up kind of going off the rails there with all the injuries, but, you know, it was still, still a heck of a time, got my first start against Texas, you know, we ended up losing the game right there at the end, but, uh, you know, it was great experience, thought I played hard, and then went to go out there and beat the hell out of North Carolina, but... Basically, just you know, I don't know how many call passes we had that game. It could, it wasn't more than seven or eight, and so just, I was gonna guess five. Yeah. It was so few. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was just like you, you know, everyone having that browse offense. Everyone just assumed you were air raid, air airing it out. But we were one of the we were we had some of those balanced offense out there. You know, the offense only works if you're you know if you're running the ball well. And so it was, it that was, that was one of my favorite moments for my career is to go out there and play the, you know, play a ton of, a ton of football in that game and help run for like 700 something yards and just, you know, the, yeah, everyone kind of thought you, thought we were hosed because we had no quarterback. It was really a us against the world mentality and it was a, that was a great time. Then all the, you know, the stuff, the, uh, you know, the scandal happens, people start getting fired and it's just hectic. No one's really telling the players what's going on. So it was, uh, that was pretty, uh, then I really got to know what us against the world mentality is like. And so, uh, you know, it was, that was really tough to just kind of get around your, you know, get around your buddies and teammates and, you know, none of you know what's going on. You know, you don't know what's like the what's being rep- like just reported to the media. What's actually happening? Don't know if your coaches are going to be there. You don't know. It was just a it was a hard time, and uh, you know the the way that those of us that got through it. You know, we got through it by just kind of putting our head down and 
keeping our nose to the grindstone and just taking it one day at a time, you know, control what, control what you can control, all that all that stuff Coach Cross has been preaching and putting in our minds for the first couple of years is what, you know, you end up falling back on. And that's what, that kind of mindset mentality is the same thing that all big winners and uh, at other programs use. You know, it's the same stuff that Coach Rule came in and started preaching to us. It's all, it's all the same verbiage. So that was having that groundwork, I think, really helped guys that took it seriously. It really helped us to kind of stand tall during that time and kind of push through. And so, you know, that that year, you know, we came out hot. We wanted to – if I remember correctly, our schedule wasn't too tough for those first six games, but we really wanted to kind of go out and prove everyone wrong. And uh, So we, you know, it was started out great. And then kind of the loss to Texas really uh, is when you could kind of start seeing the – the cracks appear and, you know, the train goes off the tracks. And it was a – that six-game losing streak was one of the darkest, like, just – just you just felt bad all the time, you know. Like, it just – so after – in a typical week, you know, you, you play the game Saturday, Sunday, you get to – you know, win, lose, or draw, you get to – you take a breath on Sunday, kind of evaluate everything, then – Monday, Tuesday, you go out there, you start prepping. You, Tuesday is your hard practice. But it's like, you know, even if you lost, you go out there the next week and you got the sense of like, okay, you know, new week, new game plan. You know, let's go out, let's make let's make it better this week. And during that six-week losing streak, it was like you just felt like you could never hit the reset button. It just felt oppressive, the amount of like just the, the you know, pressure from outside, the media, the score, and guys on the, you know, the inner workings of the team, guys are, you know, some guys are quitting early, some guys are starting to care less, you know, it was just, uh, you know, coaches are just, it was a whole, it was a whole mess, you know, the coaches are coaching the season where they know they're going to get fired at the end of it, so it's like, you know, it was just a, it was a bad situation, but it was you could tell towards the end of those games who who cared enough to go out there and fight and who was too proud to lay down and die. I remember that West Virginia game. We had no business uh keeping that game close and we almost won it and it was you know, just I just remember that fighting like two the nail, different guys fighting up every week and it was uh it was tough. But going out and in that bowl game that was that was a special moment uh, to beat Boise State in the way we did, and kind of to make a statement, kind of put all that uh, that crap behind us, and kind of turn the next chapter. Was a it was good. It was a really good statement win. I think it really helped the program a lot. And then you got Coach Rule coming in, freaking don't don't know anything about this guy, don't know anything about. You know, they said he was from Temple, and I was like, I thought they were talking about Temple Junior, you know, Temple Junior College or something, right? That, you know, <laughs> right down the road. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, you know, a guy comes in, and I remember in his first meeting with the team, he's talking to us about all this stuff we're going to do, and I agree with a lot of the stuff he was saying, but he was talking so damn fast that, you know, I was, I, I, I just, I wasn't keeping up with him all the time. <laughs> 
you know, I got people up north just talk so much faster than we do in Texas. Yeah, so I'm like, right. And then like, you know, they come in and bring all, bring all their strength staff and coaching staff, and then you go through the whole, you know, time to weed out the week and the guys that aren't committed and try to, you know, reset the culture and change stuff. So, you know, that that crap is never easy, and it's, uh, you know, that's when you really find out who's you know, who your leaders are, who can be dependent on. And, uh, and you know, these guys, they don't know anything about you. So the, the last three the last three years of work you just put in uh, to, like, build a reputation and stuff, they don't know anything about. And so that's a good thing because then sometimes uh, you, when you put a lot of work in, you can get kind of, and people start respecting you, start respecting what you've, what you've done, you can get complacent. And so... I think it was a good deal rule coming in and everyone has a clean slate. And so it was, it was challenging. I mean, that, that off season and spring ball and summer, uh, wasn't easy. I know I needed a, uh, I needed to get a labrum surgery on my left shoulder and I ended up putting it off because I didn't want to be the injured guy with a new coach coming in. And I'm glad I did that because then we ended up like, you know, because those workouts, it's all about seeing who's going to quit on the team and who's selfish. And we just finished a year where, you know, the last six games you could, like, you could get away with being selfish and guys were quitting on the team because they're like, well, the, our coaches are already know they're getting fired. We've got no recruiting class. Like, you know, so it was it was definitely a a, a trying trying time but we learned a lot about each other and you really I think that's when uh I really became close with Tech, Sam Tecklenburg because he was he was always pretty cool but then like when you saw how hard that guy works and jumping in from you know a guy who's got a couple of touchdowns to his name and then coming in and playing tackle you know for the second team offense during spring ball because there's like I think we had six or seven scholarship offensive linemen at that point. And <laughs> the whole second team was, you know, walk, you know, just scout team walk-on guys. They're like, right. everyone's banged up. Everyone's, you know, playing, uh, playing through pain and injuries at the moment. It was just, it was such a freaking cluster. And so now you got guys like that that really step up and do what the team needs. And so it was, it was great. You could really see who you could count on. And then then you would get the whole young crop of freshmen in, and, you know, a lot of them are, you know, they came, come in and they've kind of got that, you know, that attitude of, oh, you know, we're going we're gonna to be the ones to fix the program. I mean, at least that's what it, that's what it kind of comes off to to the guys that have been, been there forever. And all these guys basically got flipped or recruited here in like three weeks. Shout out to Joey McGuire being a hell of a recruiter. Yeah, he is. You know, so all these guys show up and then it's, you've got a whole, you know, you just, you got a whole bunch of guys who think they're the alphas because they've been there. And then you've got a bunch of young guys who don't, you know, who have no, uh, you know, they don't care. And they're, they're here because they're rules guys. Now it's now, if you, now you have guys saying, well, I'm a browse guy. I'm a rules guy. Stuff like that, so we had to squash some of that out. Wait, let me clarify that real quick. There were literally 
guys on the team that that's that's kind of what they said to one another was like, well, I'm a Bryles cat or I'm a I'm a rule guy. Like that was it was uh, you know it was one of those deals. Was, it was uh, kind of get thrown in there like, well, uh, yeah, there there there's some of that going around, not like maliciously. It wasn't like the freshmen came in and were like, I'm a rule guy. You guys are. It wasn't like that. You just had that was the attitude that some people had. And, you know, they're like, well, you know, I came here with Browse. You know, Browse is my coach. This guy's not my coach. And those guys, you know, those guys for the most part got got gone. You know, because there's can't can't use them after that point. You know, if, if you're going to refuse to to change, then there's no, you know, you're going to get left by the wayside. So I mean, that's you know, when you have your team injected with so many young guys because they had to get a huge class because they had to make up for basically two years of lost recruiting. And so we definitely had growing pains, and you could see it on the field with a lot of mental mistakes, a lot of, uh, you know, we fought, we were in a lot of games and couldn't kind of, couldn't seal the deal, you know, stuff like that. But it was, uh, I think, that whole process of that 1-11 year really taught a lot of guys and opened guys' eyes up to what it takes to win, what it takes to – you could see how we were getting better every week. We were getting closer to getting, you know, to winning games, but just not putting it away. And it was just, I don't know. It was just, you know, it was a, it was something the whole team went through. It sucked and we were getting punished and every little, every little thing, you know, someone messed up, someone didn't go to class. It was a position room punishment. It was stuff like that. And so then it was just, it was really teaching guys like the, how much every little detail matters, how much you have to, you know, be on your P's and Q's all the time. And so it was it was hard for us to kind of push past that, and it took more than – it took the, that season to really ingrain that into people's minds. Yeah, so, you know, it was – that 1-11 year wasn't easy. You know, it was tough because you're losing, and now everyone's like, oh, you know, this this new coach from north he doesn't know you know he doesn't know what he's doing people are putting for sale signs in his yard and stuff and it was just it just kind of felt like no one was you know there was there was not a lot of uh momentum going for the program you know and so uh you finish that up you have a good spring ball now you're starting to streamline the off season process there's a lot less kind of stupid little mistakes. Guys are hanging out more uh, with each other, you know, becoming much more of a team. And now it's, you know, we went into last year and we had some ups and downs, but for the most part we were in almost every game. We fought like hell and, you know, ended up with a 7-6 and six season. And I think, I think uh, the next few years you'll see some really good things out of the Baylor Bears. Man, well, you told us a lot there. I, I got to ask, you know, did you ever, when all of that junk was happening there 2016, did you ever think about transferring out? Like, was there a moment when you made the definitive decision that you were going to stay and, and hustle and fight, even though a lot of guys, like you said, we could see it. Like, fans weren't blind. A lot of guys were quitting and you know, kind of half-assing it, and a lot of guys left. Did it ever cross your mind to leave? And when did you make like the decision that nah, you were you were going to stay and make the best of it? I think right when it was 
right after Browse got fired, and uh, we were I was up in Waco. It was right before summer workouts and summer session one was supposed to start, and uh, I was just sitting in uh, the living room with Pat Lawrence and Josh Pelzel, and we were talking. I think it was someone basically brought up that topic of like, do you guys are you guys thinking of potentially transferring or anything? And but you know we were just all quiet there for a second. And Josh, baby, he had just torn his ACL, so he's like, I mean, no one wants a bum with a bad ACL, so you know I'm staying. And I was like, yeah, I mean, and, you know, Pat and I both just kind of looked at each other and were like, yeah, simple enough, you know, we got enough. We put in enough work here. There's no, you know, you commit to a school. You don't commit to a coach when you uh, sign your letter of intent, you know, and the staff, the people at Baylor, they, you know, they hadn't, you know, I didn't feel like I was wronged by any of any of them or anything. So, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm still committed to this school and, you know, I've got things that I'm doing well here outside of football. So there's, I don't see any reason. It might, it'll get. It'll, it's going to be harder now, but there's no reason to uh, to quit on the team and the program. And so it was just kind of a little five minute conversation. We were kind of joking around, and that was pretty much the last time I ever thought of it. Tell me this. This is something else I've been dying to know from somebody who's played for all three coaches, Jim Grope. How do you come into a a situation where I mean you you hit the nail on the head every coach on the staff knew they weren't going to be around and that's hard enough I mean I I totally understand why all those coaches had it tough man and you know one of them is the son of the guy that just got fired and mm-hmm. I mean god what a what a toxic volatile messy situation what did you learn from Coach Grobe as a leader and somebody that I think a lot of people respect in the way that he handled his business? Really, I mean, dude, doing a job that nobody in their right mind would have wanted to do. I mean, essentially, I think he handled it about as well as you could ask. You know, it was basically he comes in and he doesn't, he's not going to touch the offense or defense because you've still got all the coordinators. He's not going to. They're not his. They're not his guys. They're not running his system, and so it's, you know, basically it's kind of like having. It was kind of like having three head coaches, I guess, in a sense, because mm-hmm. you've got, you know, DC and OC who are running the offense and defense, and then you know he comes in and basically, Coach Grove basically just says, hey, you know, we y'all struggled on special teams last year. I think I can help in special teams, and other than that, you know. I'm just gonna, I'm basically here. He was here as a facilitator to make sure that things were done as smooth. You know, transitions were made as smoothly as possible. He was a facilitator. You know, everything was done by the book, first class. You know, we're not gonna be. Uh, you know, I think he I think he did a really good job and uh, in a you know the most one of the most difficult situations you can imagine. You know, where he's basically got to keep all the coaches kind of pointed in the right direction and then uh you know they you know they're he didn't hire him so then he you know he doesn't have the respect that he you know he would be due if he had hired all those guys so you know and i'm not saying that the coaches were ignoring him or disrespecting or anything i'm just saying like it's it's just like if you know new boss comes in and 
you still got all the same employees and they're not going to, they're just going to be trying to feel each other out, see how much they can push each other without stepping on toes and stuff. And so it was, I think, you know, Jim Grove did a hell of a job and he was exactly what Baylor needed at that point in time. So then Matt Rule comes in and I've got two kind of questions about those couple of years. One is, when did Matt Rule win you over? Because it, at some point, you know, I think everybody's initial thought was, this guy talks fast, and he's crazy, and he's hyper, and he's kind of, you know, there were people saying, he's going to ruin our offense, and he doesn't know Texas, and, you know, obviously he's done nothing but a good job. So when did Coach Rule win you over, and when did it become really apparent to you in that process that you were one of the key leaders on the team? Because Coach Rule has probably said more good things about you as a leader than almost anyone else. Maybe you and like Taylor Young, right, are the two guys that Rule constantly talks about as as leaders. So when did Rule win you over, and when did it become really clear that he was relying on you to be that example for other guys? I'd I'd say the first part when he kind of so when he kind came in, you know, it was kind of hard to peg whether he was a a player's coach or like a like kind of like a system disciplinarian coach because he talked he talked up both sides of that argument you know and so it was uh you know it was very like look this is the the process this is when we got introduced to the process and uh you know this system has worked for him in the past you know the process is undefeated all this stuff you know all this verbiage that you know everyone is well acquainted with now so he starts talking to you like that. So you're like, okay, you know, we're about to, everyone's going to, there's no more, there's not going to be any favorites. It's going to be, uh, you know, no more, oh, my hamstring's a little tight. I'm going to skip out on practice today and then I'm still playing the game. You know, it's going to be very rigid because in the past it was, you know, you could do that. Like if you, if you produced mm-hmm. on the field, you could get away with, with doing stuff. It was kind of, it was, uh, it was basically all it was you keep what you kill, they'll give you the tools to succeed and if you you go out there and you're succeeding, then good and if you mess around and uh aren't doing what you need to do, someone's gonna take your spot, and we're not gonna feel sorry for you and now this new the process is much more we're all gonna do everything by the book to the t, and you're going to if you do it and someone else doesn't do it, you're doing it again. You can tell every 100% buy-in because we're a team. This is not nothing about this sport is individualistic. Like, you cannot do anything unless all 11 people on the field are on the same page. And so that, like, that whole, that mindset shift, I mean, is different. I agree with, that's something I kind of, I agree, I connected with more, I guess, just because, like, it was, you know, I, I agree because I, to this point in my life, I'm basically trying to do everything right and never, you know, up to that point, I had never had, I've never done a punishment. I'd never done plate push because I was like, I was like, look, workouts and stuff, practice is hard enough. I'm not going to make it harder on myself by being stupid. So that was kind of what I was expecting. And then, you know, he also, so he hits you with the process speech and all that stuff. But then he's also, you know, super friendly and 
kind of is getting really personal with a lot of players having us over to his house and stuff. So it was kind of, it was kind of going both ways. Like, you know, and then you go mess up in a workout or practice or something and, you know, he's ripping India. And so it, it took me a while to kind of figure it out. I'm trying to think of like the moment that I was like, you know, all the way bought in. Cause it was, cause at first, you know, I'm a, I'm a big creature of habit. And so, uh, we were changing the schedule a lot. There were there were a lot of uh, instances where it was like, okay, you know, we finished film, we finished all this stuff. Now you guys can watch, like, you know, now, like, we want you guys to kind of team-led, like, do something. But, or it's like, the team, has, the team does it instead of, like, the coaches leading it. And so then that's, like, that was real hard to kind of get the guys who are supposed to be the leaders to kind of figure out what exactly he wanted to do it correctly, you know. Otherwise, because then, like, you will be like, okay, well, coach wants us to do this, so we do it. And then no one's like, people are half-assing it or uh, people are like, why do we have to do this? We're already up here, you know, enough. I've got I've got to do homework. I want to do something else. So it kind of, that was a lot of what that first year was. I can't really think of, like, a point to a specific instance where I was like, I need to be a, step up and be a leader because it seemed like that whole one in 11 year it was you know there was a lot of pressure for guys to step up and be a leader it was just like you know I'm sitting there and you know I, I know that I'm a leader but I'm like and I guess there's a, a certain point you know just kind of doing everything right isn't enough you need to have much more of a vocal leadership role actually I think I do I think I know the point I think I, I know the point. So it was after our first or second padded practice uh, in two days. And, oh, you know, we had just got done doing extra drills or something. And I was going over to cold tub. You know, I was hot and, uh, ang- you know, pissed off because I always am after practice. And that we had, like, uh, big tubs that, like, you get, like, eight or ten guys in. And then we had these, like, kind of smaller uh, individual, or well, they're like two-person tubs. And so, I, you know, I basically walked over and said, hey, you know, I'm getting in this tub. I got next. No one get in there with me. You know, it's just me. There's no enough room for anyone else. And so I'm getting ready to get in the tub, getting all my knee raises off, and John Levitt jumps in the tub, like, right in front of me. And I was like, no, you know, yeah, good one. Get out of my tub. He's like, what are you talking about, bro? And, you know, he was, He's, he's from the Northeast, too, and he was talking real fast and saying cuz a lot, and I was just like, bro, I was like, dude, get out of the tub right now. Uh, and cause I, had a short, I had a short fuse at the time uh, right after practice, and he, he was like, what are you going to do, make me? And I just freaking, uh, I just grabbed him, and I went to pick him up, and he was holding up the sides so I couldn't uh, lift, I couldn't lift him out. So then I just, you know, grabbed him and uh, was about to choke him out. I just kind of, you know, then I kind of realized what I was doing, where we were at, kind of, you know, let it go, and uh, I left. And then basically I was sitting there, and Rule called, you know, I had to go talk to Coach Rule, and basically kind of had a little, hey, you know, if you're going to be a leader on the team, you can't do that. And I knew it was wrong. You know, it was just at that moment I was like, okay, you know, it, even though I hadn't, I wasn't doing, I didn't do it everything right in the moment. I was like, okay, 
just doing the right thing isn't always enough. You know, if you're going to be put into a leadership situation, you have to you have to walk it, and you also got to talk it for the people because not not everyone follows by examples. Some people need a more active need to be more actively led. Some people need to hear the verbal confirmation all the time. This is what we're doing. This is why we do it. And so, you know, I went and apologized to John. And I guess from that point on is when I started trying to step up a little more. And now, you know, J-Lev and I were freaking became pretty pretty close after that. It was it was kind of funny, you know. It was just heat of the moment, you know, only known each other for a couple of weeks. To, you know, I go from trying to choke him out one week to two weeks later picking him up when he scores a touchdown and, you know, celebrating and joking around with him in the locker room. And, you know, we, every time I see him, you know, uh, now like you know, whenever I go back to work out or something at Baylor, so, uh, he brings that up and we laugh about it. That's a fantastic story. I'm so glad you shared that. Um, it gives us a little bit of insight to John Lovett, too, and we, we're enjoying watching him play. So I'm going to ask you a very specific question, and it may seem odd, but I have known Coach Sean Bell since I was in kindergarten. My kindergarten year was his first year starting in high school at China Spring. So Coach Bell and I, he's literally watched me grow up, and I watched him every single game in high school, every single game he played at Baylor. You know, I, I was super pumped. Long story short, Blake, I'll have to tell you the full story another time. He got his coaching job because I reached out to Coach Rule via Twitter when Coach Rule hired Joey McGuire, and I said, you need to go hire Sean Bell, and it happened. Freaking crazy. All that to say, tell me what it's like when he made the transition to being the offensive line coach. I think a lot of us thought he would be an organic quarterbacks coach or even like a receivers coach I think some of us were like what when he started coaching the O-line but obviously he's been a high school head coach he's been an offensive coordinator he's coached linemen what's he like as an offensive line coach and what's it like having a former big 12 quarterback as an offensive line coach it was interesting I mean that was kind of a tough deal losing coach DeLeon like that and he, he still came back and helped out and you know he kind of got the best of both worlds there at the end, but he was, uh, you know, you basically go from a guy that coached coached all these different places and been coaching for years and has all these this experience to a guy who played quarterback, and so his knowledge of the technique and stuff is much more secondhand, but his knowledge of the game is definitely firsthand, and he tell he. He had us looking at things much more through a quarterback's eyes, just as far as like, you know, protection and kind of give the quarterback a good pocket and got to set the depth of the park pocket with the centers and guards and uh, just, just kind of stuff like that. And then he was great when it came to game planning and scheme. Like the, the game plan was always very clearly communicated to us. You know, and that stuff changes all the time throughout the week. And so he was on top of, you know, like all the little changes uh, because not only is he aware of what we need to do, but he's aware of what the quarterback's most likely going to check to. And he's kind of aware of that, how quarterbacks think, the thought process that's going on. So it was, I think that was probably the most valuable thing he brought was that firsthand knowledge of, you know, the guy that we're protecting, how he's going to think and how he's going to play the game. 
So I think that was the biggest thing that Coach Bell added to the room, you know. And we all make fun of him because uh, he doesn't he doesn't like to cuss. And you know, more more power more power to a guy. You know, it's that's something I know I do I know do I do it too much, but I've never had an offensive line coach that uh, would uh would that had hadn't cussed. And so we was <laughs> you know sometimes we're. Sometimes we'd make you know joke around with them. Look, you know it's kind of kind of hard to rip a guy's ass or you know make him uh, you know coach him up and sound tough without cussing. So we uh, we had to we're trying to get him out of using cuss word replacers. There's an art word, or I mean, there's an art form to chewing someone out without cussing and getting your point across and making making them like okay, like you know ma- making making your point. And you can't do it by saying, you know, oh, come on, guys, like, you you, you gotta, you know, what the, uh, you know, what the freak is going on? No, you, there's an art form, so you can't use cuss <laughs> word replacer. You, you've got to go, you've got to go for personal shots. So what, what is the, uh, what's the funniest or like silliest, goofiest replacement word he had that made you all laugh? I, I probably, I, the most common one is, is freak. Instead of the F word, you know, because it, it just always catches, it always just catch me off guard. But uh, one of his favorites is also, you know, I better, you know, I better hope uh, Braxton and Cannon like chicken ramen noodle soup because that's all I'm going to be able to give them after you guys get me fired. That was another good <laughs> one you can always throw out there. That's, that's wonderful. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks and thinking like quarterbacks, what was it like toward the end there? Blocking for a quarterback as dynamic and hard nosed as Charlie Brewer, and then I guess my follow up question to that is how similar is he to Seth Russell? Because I've always thought uh, Seth was obviously a little bit of a bigger guy, um, mm-hmm. but other than that, I th- I've always thought their playing styles were very similar. What's what's it like playing with Chuck Brewer? I I enjoyed the hell of it. You know, he impressed me as a. I remember when he came in as a freshman, and he definitely had the you know that that kind of Baker. He was really trying to uh, emulate Baker Mayfield a little bit, and kind of the, the way he, uh, the kind of swagger he had. And we're like, okay, you know, that that's cute. You know, you're still a third string freshman. And then that first fall camp, you know, he starts outperforming uh, some of our, you know, the the vets, and you know, starts balling out. And we're just like, okay, you know, this this kid can play. And then. You know, he start he he ends up starting, and you know he turns into more and more of the player we've come to see. And you know, just his attitude is—it's never a question of if we're going to win or if he's going to play good. It's he's—he you know Charlie's going to go out there and just you know play play as hard as he can. And you know, if he can't, if there's no one open, he's going to put his head down and try and make it with his feet. And like he, you know, it just throw his body around, you know, with without, like, any regard for his health. And, you know, you just love to see that as an offensive lineman. You know, when that guy is willing to just go in there and, like, sacrifice like that. I mean, obviously, you don't want him taking hits. You don't want him running as much. And, you know, you don't you don't want him to get hurt. But when you see a guy just, like, when, he, when you see a guy who's playing and not he's not scared to get hurt, he's just the only thing he wants to do is win the game any means necessary you just it's really easy to rally behind a guy like that well you know, it just, it just gets you fired up 
Yeah, and it gets fans fired up too, and I I love the way he plays. But there's also the part of me that that has flashbacks to Seth Russell against Iowa State, and you know what looked like not a big deal on the hit knocked him out for the season, and I'm like, no, Charlie's chill out. <laughs> I think Charlie and Seth, uh, you know, they definitely have similar, you know, a similar game because they're both good throwers, but can can beat you with their legs too. I think, but I I do think that they're, you know, they're not. They're not too, too similar, you know. The like the goal, you know, their mind, their mindsets were, are very, uh, are are pretty different, you know. Seth was quieter and more kind of cerebral, and Charlie's a little more, you know, in your face and stuff like that. But both of them are great quarterbacks, and you know, I'm excited to see where uh, where Chuck takes us. Who are two or three of the guys on Baylor's roster right now who haven't popped yet? Who Baylor fans need to watch this and this year and next year who are going to pop? Who are some guys that have really impressed you in practice or whatever and they just haven't quite arrived yet? I think everyone saw a little bit of it. Uh, this is all right. So this first one is a combo. It's Abram Smith and Squirrel because both of those guys work, you know, can't show up every day. They don't say too much. All they do is work hard. And I just, I have nothing but respect for those guys. And both of them have kind of been held back by uh, injuries recently. And so uh, I think when, I know squirrels should still be out, but I think Abram's coming, uh, should be fine now. Well, Abram, Abram scored a touchdown uh, this last last game against UTSA. Did he? I haven't. Yeah, he. They don't they don't show the Baylor game up here, so I just kind of keep up with the box score. <laughs> yeah, they yeah he he broke off a long run, uh, you know, kind of second stringers uh, in for Baylor and up big, and he broke up. I think he had the last touchdown of the game, broke off a real long run. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, we had one play in practice uh, where Squirrel was running, and he went and he juked and he jumped in between an offensive lineman, like. Josh Malin was blocking. I forgot who he was blocking. It might have been Ira or something. And uh, I, he he got some extension because Ira was turning to try to make the tackle, and Squirrel juked and just jumped right in between both of them. It, you know, it was never seen anything before it in my life. You know, I couldn't believe the film. It was just, it was just amazing. You know, it was just and so like the guy does just stuff like that in practice, and you get fired up for it, and so. Unfortunate uh, that he got hurt, but I can't wait to see what he does. Another guy, I, I'm really excited to see what uh, how Ryan Miller uh, kind of because his transition to the D line. I'm, I'm excited to see how he uh, can help contribute. I don't know. Did he? Are they trying to retread him this year, or is he? Uh, is he? Even I don't playing? think. I I have not paid enough attention to see if, if he's gotten out there. I don't know that he's played. Yeah, because he's a. He's a guy that, you know, another guy that all the dude does does is come in, work hard and, you know, does you know, shows up what he's supposed to and like you know, I, I can't wait to I hope he they've moved in the D line because now we finally have enough uh offensive line depth that you, we could do that comfortably. And so uh I think that might be a little more natural fit for him. But I think they might try and steal a a red shirt year off of him uh this year. Uh, with the transition and everything, but I mean that's a guy that you know he's he's a, he's already becoming a leader on that team just because uh, you know he's 
he's strong, he shows up to stuff and he doesn't mess he doesn't mess things up. So and you know, the guy's a this I guess this is his third year now and I still think of him as I still remember when he came in as a uh you know, a freshman. So uh I'm hoping I'm hoping that move really uh, works out for him. It might not be it might not pay uh, immediate dividends, but uh I'm hopeful I'm thinking if he does redshirt next year, we'll see some good stuff out of Mikey. We call him Mikey, by the way. <laughs> I was I was gonna say Mikey. That doesn't sound like Ryan or Miller. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't really remember why, but we, I think it's because he he looks a lot like Pat Lawrence in the face. He looks like he was like Pat's little mini me, so we called him like little Mikey. I don't really I don't really remember why where that came from, but it stuck. Hey, whatever sticks, man. I've heard that uh, Prince and Khalil have been doing pretty good uh, in these first couple games. I'm happy to see that they're yeah uh, on the offensive line. They're getting out there. I know it was tough for Prince to sit out for the last basically this whole last year and some change. Two questions left that I really just want to hit, and I know you've we've been at this for almost an hour, so you've been super generous, and I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. I want to know what the biggest life lesson you learned. I mean, you you did a great job walking us through those those five years, and you know, again, I I can't imagine that there has been a college football player that has seen the mountaintops like you have, right next door to the valleys. <laughs> you know, both both a one and eleven yeah. season type of valley and a locker room dysfunction, chaotic, you know, mm-hmm. kind of valley. What's the biggest lesson you took from all of that that you've taken into being a man and being a, an adult and a professional and and you know how have you grown from all of that? Uh, I'd say the the biggest thing. There's there's a million and one things you can say about it. The whole situation and having worked with a lot of great coaches under both staffs, I'd say one of the most one thing that you hear over and over again, and it kind of ties in with a lot of the coaching points and stuff, is to just be consistent every day. Control what you can control. You know, things are, you know, if you can't affect something or you think it's a, you know, you've got a mountain to climb, instead of just worrying about how you're going to get to the top, you just got to start and you've got to keep at it every day. And you've got to be the same person every day. You've got to try to get better every day. You know, you can't, you can't just worry about the end result, worry about the end goal and be stuck down there at the bottom. You know, you just have to show up, do it. You know, you have to be a guy that's going to show up every day on time do what you're supposed to, do a little extra, try to get better every day. But it's just if you do that for a week and then you you know you have a couple of days off or you know, you have a you have a bad couple of days or you're not sleeping enough or uh you know, just a million little things that can affect you at college, you could lose all the progress you made over the last week. And so it's just the biggest thing from that whole experience I've learned is just how to be as efficient as possible and it's to be the same guy every day you know you show up you work hard uh you you don't you take as few steps backwards as possible and you know by the end of it you string enough consistent days like that together you'll look up and you'll make some serious progress toward your goal and so you know and that's that's something that was preached to me when i was 
being recruited by Baylor in the weight room from Coach Cause. It's something that Coach Scott, Coach Rule, Coach Briles, is, there's elements of that that have been taught at Baylor for as long as I've been there. It's the same, you know, you hear the same stuff in the NFL. You know, it's just you've got to consistently, to, to be great, you've got to do it. It's not flashes here or there. You've got to do all the little things at a high level every day consistently. And that's, you just got to be the same guy every day. So, I, you know, consistency would be the the biggest kind of lesson or takeaway that uh, I, t- I got from this whole experience. When is Baylor winning another Big 12 championship? Well, I'd say, you know, they got a pretty good shot this year, honestly, because you've got, you know, I think from what I've been hearing from some of the guys, you know, you've got a great, amazing group of leaders. You've got all those young young guys that were have been young for the last two years. They know what to do now. You've got so many guys that have been in the program and have done the process, and now it's just like there's just a such a great base there. You've got coaches that are in their third year in the program. You've got guys that have been with Rule for years. You've got all these things are going well right now. You know, and the Big 12 beats itself up a lot once you get into conference play. So you don't know what's going to happen from week to week. And so I think in the next three years, we'll have some really serious opportunities to, you know, win the big one because you've got a great group of guys there right now. You keep Joey McGuire on staff because that's your keys to the kingdom as far as recruiting. You keep Coach Wetzel because he's the, you know, he's the connection with every high school football coach in Texas. You keep the infrastructure that we've built there, and I think that good things are going to happen. You know, I'm I'm excited to see uh, when we start Big 12 play what this team's about. But I have I have nothing but confidence in those guys right now. You and I met at Texas Roadhouse because during the one in eleven year, all I did was walk up to you and say something to the effect of, hey, I'm rooting for you and I'm proud of you and yeah. I appreciate I appreciate your hard work. What would you like to say to the Baylor fans who might listen to this interview, who have stuck with it and who supported you and the team through all of those highs and lows? I would just say that through this whole experience, I've seen a lot of good and a lot of ugly come out of people. And for the people that you know, stuck with the program and stuck with players and the guys that didn't, you know, to all the people that didn't become huge naysayers whenever something bad was happening. It was just, just a blanket, you know, thank you. You know, the the support, the, the prayers, the people at Baylor and surrounding that organization have been huge and it's, it means a lot to everyone involved in the program and uh, at the school. And so, you know, thankfully we're in a position that now the team can, you know, the team can hopefully give back and give the fans, you know, something to celebrate and give them what they want and start winning some big games and get some more bowl wins. And I think, it, I think it'll be a lot of fun. So, uh, you know, just kind of blanket, I just wanted to say, you know, thank you to, those that listen to this podcast and have kind of stood by Baylor during the, the good and the bad. And, uh, you know, you guys uh, are the backbone of the fan base.